episode 36 of the IntelliCast podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is Brian Lamar. Hey, Adam. How's it going? Uh, Feeling great. Hey, it's the boss. That's number 36. That's what I was going to say. Oh, it's Jerome Bettis. Yeah. Yeah. The boss. The best. Uh, wasn't that the Thanksgiving game where he called the coin <laughs> yeah. and the ref misheard him? Yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. In De- yeah well, Detroit. Yeah. What's going to happen? Rust Belt. <laughs> As always, IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI Research. You can reach us on Twitter at EMI underscore research. Um, you can reach us uh, via email, IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. IntelliCast on Twitter is IntelliCast1, and my own Twitter is Adam Jolly, all one word. Brian, what's your Twitter? I'm thinking about maybe 2019 getting a Twitter. What if you jump on board? Think about this. Twitter's a lot. What if you just had like a burner Facebook account that you did comments on like news stories and websites with? You know, I've thought about that because I have a lot of opinions, strong opinions, potentially controversial. Really? Yeah. No, big surprise. Shocks. And But, you know, in today's era, you know, there's a thin line between yeah. edgy and you no longer have a job or <laughs> protesting in front of your house, right? That's right. Um, let's talk about some market research news. What is going on? Uh, biggest news, probably the one that at least is littering my LinkedIn timeline is the Qualtrics sale. Um, so um, thinking sometime this week, Qualtrics was going to apply for an IPO. It was going to be for around $400, $450 million. They were talking between $19 and $22 a share. It was going to make um, the Smith family very wealthy. It was going to be great. Um, I think the really, valuation was going to be 5 or $6 billion. Yep. $5, five billion, I think, was the last okay. one I saw. And then all of a sudden, Sunday, news hits that Qualtrics is sold to SAP for $8 billion. Um, I think a lot of people so far have just been like, here's what it is. Uh, I saw the thing in uh, Green Book. It yeah. said, what does this mean? Uh, yeah. Brian, what's your opinion? I mean, this is just huge. Um I mean, it's huge for I mean market research. If you consider Qualtrics be market research, eight billion is a ton of money. Um, I mean, SurveyMonkey is probably been happy with that. Um, helps all of the insights industry, which we're part of. Um, tons of money. I think they're betting on, which I think is going to happen soon, is that our industry is going to grow rapidly because of the conversion of like cloud enterprise type companies like SAP and insights type companies and other data companies in our world like Qualtrics. Um, that's going to happen. And this is maybe one of the first big moves. It's, to me, at first glance, it's like, why would SAP go after Qualtrics? But they're clearly betting on Qualtrics at a lot of value. Um, this is huge for Qualtrics because they get, um, I mean, SAP is known for their massive sales force and a huge customer base. I mean, right. I mean, that's just amazing. I read an article today about the um, charity that Ryan Smith does, about cancer Five, research. Yeah. Uh, I think every employee at Qualtrics, I think they have like what, a couple thousand employees, yeah. um, can donate $5 a paycheck. I think, and they're going to offer that to the SAP employees. I think they have like 80,000 employees. Yeah. So we huge. run off the bat just for cancer research. And I saw that the McDermott, the CEO of SAP, is Dylan McDermott? Pres- <laughs> no, Dylan Mulroney. <laughs> Which one was in my best friend's wedding? McDermott? One of them was in my best friend's <laughs> wedding. The other one was on Friends for a little while. Dylan McDermott and Dylan Mulroney. Is one of them. Who was on Frasier? Frasier? <laughs> is that the dad on Frasier? David Hyde Pierce? The dad on Frasier. Who's that? 
Those the it was the no. it was the dog. First of all, <laughs> sidebar like every my wife and I took a trip to Mexico like right like seven years ago, right before the birth of like her oldest, and uh, we would always be watching and be like, "Stop it, old noche." <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> like, hey, what are we about to watch? And it'd be like, and it would say something in Spanish coming up, and like we wouldn't understand it. Then all of a sudden, you hear Fraser, <laughs> and I always think of that. Huh? Interesting. Anyway. Um, Back on topic. But McDermott, his wife had as a breast cancer survivor, and I think his mom read um, died of cancer. So it's kind of a union, at least in that respect, of um, big in the cancer research. So good for, I mean, good for everybody. Especially the Smith family. Especially the Fist family. It's not bad, right? Who okay. I think we're worth more than Oprah. Rupert Everett. Yes. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Dylan McDermott. Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott is who we're thinking of. Dermot Mulroney was in My Best Friend's Wedding yeah. with Julie Roberts yeah. and Cameron Diaz. And Dylan McDermott was in a He played for Creighton and that was like He was in he was in a legal drama called The Practice. Oh, yeah. Dylan McBuckets. No. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? I scrambled a lot there. No, it's fine. Um, I think about Qualtrics, that it's a little ambitious and ambitious in the way when people say, like, ooh, they're ambitious. Watch out for them. I don't trust it. Is like it's everything. Like they are attacking the world. And like I took that away from last year when I went to the summit was that like, oh my, are they coming up with like a CRM system? Yeah, they're going for Salesforce. That's what right. you said. And I thought it was it was going to be something like that because of their customer management, like yeah. that type system. It was really it was really linked to that. Yeah. And now um, and they've always been evolving and moving. But um, so that part, I, I think SAP will put some more guidance on them. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to happen to them what kind of happened with SurveyMonkey where you became average at a lot of little things instead of being great at one thing. Yeah. And then you lose your value. And kind of like focus vision a little bit. Right. And that could have happened. I think that I honestly yeah. believe that could have happened if they did the IPO. Yeah. Right now, all of a sudden you got some money and there's more room to roam than just be focused yeah. on what you're good at and where you're at. Absolutely. So this changes everything for them and it gives me a lot more faith and confidence oh, cool. in where Qualtrics is going. Uh, the one thing I've always admired about about Qualtrics is the like their recruitment process. Yeah. I don't know they recruitment in a different way in that like the recruitment of customers. Mm. And so there is the, th- you know, when you're in college, you get, you know, a, l- a lot of colleges get free subscriptions to Qualtrics. You can then walk out oh, with yeah. a piece of paper saying that you're certified in something. Then you go into your job and it's like you go into your job holding something that you feel proud of that you have. And then your job starts to adopt it. And then your next job you do it, you know, like you can get a customer for life at the age of 21 yeah. with Qualtrics. And I think adding that into, again, with the power of SAP, like, I don't know if it could have worked for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, it probably could have worked for that. probably could have worked for Salesforce. Salesforce yeah. bought that. Yeah. Um, like, it, it really could have. You get that. I don't think on its own, Qualtrics survives that way. Yeah. And so this is huge. Yeah. It is an interesting move where, you know, 15 years ago when they started Qualtrics in the basement of their dad's house, yeah. they had the, the foresight to think, you know what? We're just going to give it to college, every college in America. Yeah. Make them all experts. Eventually, these people are going to be decision makers at Fortune 500 companies. And the plan worked. Right. All these people are now in the industry using Qualtrics and experts at Qualtrics. Right. That's amazing. Um, I'm super excited for them. I think this is great. I think it, um, on the surface, it couldn't happen to better people and better, like, work culture. 
Yeah. Like I've never met somebody from Qualtrics that I didn't like or respect or thought that, man, that person knows where they're going and knows how to get there a little bit too. Absolutely. Um, let alone Ryan or whatever, you know, the, the face of the company. I mean, it's great that he is an actual good person as well, but like the, the people on the ground are the biggest part too. Yep. Good news. And by the way, has any company ever had better news in one week than Qualtrics? Because the first they announced this, yeah. Ryan Smith all of a sudden is worth billions of dollars. And then 48 hours later, they announced their keynote to somehow kind of trumps Oprah. Yeah. I mean, if Oprah isn't good enough as a headliner for a conference, like you're not getting enough people to come see you. Right. Oh, we need somebody bigger than that. They go out and get freaking a president. Yeah. President Obama. Obama. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> um, it makes me more excited now to go in that. Well, the crazy thing about Qualtrics, the summit conference is like, like the first part of the day is like a, an experience. Like it is, it really is like an experience for you. And like, you could go there and have nothing to do with market research and just like a work person. And that's why we're kind of, we're kind of even like diversifying who we send to the conference this year yeah. because it is like an inspiration on how to do things. And then yeah. the second part, yeah, it could be a, a commercial for Qualtrics, but it's a lot of application, which you can yeah. do. And adding somebody like Obama onto it, it it's just like, I think for, He's somebody, I'm, this is tiptoeing a little bit, but hey, we're, we did a political podcast two weeks ago, so who cares? But like, I think it's to bring in somebody that kind of regardless of affiliation or like ideology that you believe in, like yeah. he is an inspiring person. Absolutely. Who would make you want to wear on through a wall, who, right? Right. Who wouldn't right. want to go see Barack Obama, whether no matter where you stand politically and Oprah. I mean, just two highly successful people that overcame, both of them overcame tough odds. Right. The, the stories they can tell are just riveting i bet and very motivating and um what was i gonna say um we've been around a long time we we did this podcast we were talking about last year's qualtrics that's crazy to me um (laughs) let's break up i got one more thing we want to talk about this week we're not going to talk about like necessarily another research news topic but we are going to talk about kind of a hot button in research right now um and that's blockchain um We're not going to go all in. I, I'm putting our timer at 10 minutes that we'll talk about blockchain. But really, what I want to talk about blockchain is more of a um, uh, noise versus signal mm. type approach. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, how much, like, why does it matter? Is it a trend? Is it for good? Is it, you know, all that kind of thing? I think that's where we're at right now in the conversation. Like, at first, it was, what is blockchain? Everybody writes your article, what is blockchain? Yeah. Then, is blockchain going to work? And now, like, is it to stay or is this, like, a fad that we in, like, mobile's the next big thing and all yeah. that kind of QR codes, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get to that, yeah. do you want to do a rant? Do you have I, a rant? I have a rant. Do a rant. So today, I was back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings, and um, a partner of ours scheduled me another meeting at noon. This rant is about lunch meetings. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> and I'm going to follow up with lunch meet after you get done. All right. What like if you are a vendor to someone, a supplier to someone, a partner to someone, please, I beg you, do not schedule a meeting at lunch. This person's in a different time zone. He's a nice guy too. I really like him. But like noon, come on. Nobody wants meetings at noon. I don't care how busy your day is. Give people a little bit of a break. I was just I've been flustered ever since because of back to back to back to back to back. Then I'm getting hangry. And then I, you know, who knows who I upset in the office by being hangry. 
Um, so I'm just I'm tired of these lunch meeting well lunch meetings noon meetings. I had a difficult conversation with a sale a group of salespeople the other day that it's not about them it's about your customers. Yes, and exactly. I argue it's the same type of thing here. Like yeah, yeah. you have time with that to talk, but yet what is the other person doing? Right. Especially this time of year, like we're leaving our house. It's dark. You get home. It's dark. <laughs> right. Lunch is a valuable of hope, right. <laughs> Yes. Nap time for some people. I hear you. Uh, let's do a Mount Rushmore, too. I'm just okay. trying to get all the fun stuff out of the way because I feel like I'm going to get cranky. Okay. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Next week is Thanksgiving. By the time you're hearing this, you can probably smell some kind of clove coming into your kitchen. <laughs> the oven's probably on. That's right. Uh, you know what? I imagine a lot of people just turn off the Macy's Day Parade and put on the telecast. That's what they should be doing. Gather the kids around, the MP3 player, whatever. Hey, if you're listening at home, come up with your own Mount Rushmore of yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a, a game. Oh, my gosh, we can make a board game of Mount Rushmore. We give people the topics. You come up with the top four. If you see so you repeat the top four of someone else's, yeah. you lose a point. Yes. It's kind of like a little bit of categories type thing, right? Do we just Hold come on a second. Christmas gifts for your family. The greatest idea. Hold on. Yeah, add this. Put this under new rep, new <laughs> revenue ideas for EMI 2019 Mount Rushmore board game. All right, trademark. Yeah, and if Mount Rushmore is trademark, we'll call it something else like Hill Rushmore Peak, Rush, Rushmore Peak. Um, top four Thanksgiving foods yeah. this week. Brian, give me one. Well, and I'm going to go in order, by the way, of consumption. <laughs> That's where I'm going. All right. Well, all right. First of all, I have to give you my how I come up with my four. I came up with a protein, a bread, a starch, and a side. Makes because sense. Because I was I was putting together a beautiful plate. My okay. Mount Rushmore is a plate. My first plate. Yeah. So I'm going to start with the protein. I'm not going to go turkey. I didn't. I don't want to either because it's, it's <sighs> man. One year we tacky. Cooked, we cooked some prime rib. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, prime rib on a Thanksgiving day. Beautiful. That's not bad. Oh my gosh! I can get behind that. Yeah, that's, um, that's my number one. My number one. Um, I haven't done this in a while. I'm an adult. I'm a dad. <laughs> uh, but the first thing that I would usually consume on Thanksgiving is and is made by Mount Rushmore is a Crave case from White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's any surprise to anybody. Oh, the Wednesday night before the Thanksgiving. The night before Thanksgiving yeah. is the busiest drinking night of the year. Yeah. Um, oh, you get to see all your buddies. You see, it's like a high school reunion usually. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of guys, a lot of guys with families and stuff. It's also the busiest pizza night of the year. I don't know if anybody knew that. Huh. Along with Halloween. Insights. Uh, yeah, insights. Guys, market research. Um, but usually I, I can think of many years in college, many years of college, like going out, going to this, it's called Turkey Bash in Northern Kentucky at the Drawbridge Inn. Yeah. And you go there and then on your way home, you stop at White Castle, you get a Crave case, you eat it at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. You probably eat two more when you wake up in the morning before you go back home. Or if you're at your house before you roll out of bed, there's family there and they're like, why isn't this guy showered? What's going on? Is everything okay with Adam? Is he going to graduate college anytime soon? Um, so number one is a Crave case from White Castle. All right. Feeling good. All right. Well, I, I have a feeling this is going to go similar to last week. Okay. With the chickens. All right. All right. Number two, I had a bread. My number two, rolls. What type of roll? Like a brioche? <laughs> no, just a normal roll. King Hawaiian? No, not, I don't want a King Hawaiian on a Thanksgiving. Right. I want just a general American roll. Nothing fancy. You can go like the little, the pack of like 12 that you just heat and serve. Yeah. That's what I want. About four of them. 
My number two is hard cider. <laughs> it's a little hair of the dog for me, usually on Thanksgiving morning. Um, I usually only drink fruit-based alcohols on Thanksgiving. Not wild. I'm a big beer guy, but and a big bourbon guy. But on Thanksgiving, usually I go hard ciders and wines. Is it because of the like the cranberry element of Thanksgiving? I feel like yes, tartness is a big part of my palate for Thanksgiving. And pumpkin? Oh, no, no gourds. But I think for me, it's um, because I'm eating two giant meals during the day and basically laying in front of a TV. Yeah, I feel like there's some nutritional value, and I can pick up yeah. some extra vitamin C or D from a fruit based cocktail yeah. or booze, then I'm, I'm, I'm going towards the right level of like not gluttony. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right, go ahead. New number three. Going with starch, mashed potatoes. I don't often get mashed potatoes and like my Me grandmother either. makes Me really either. good, just, you know, traditional mashed potatoes, nothing fancy, no garlic, no one year. My, my mom made all this Martha Stewart stuff with mashed potatoes that had like almonds in it or something. Yeah. Every meal was like, oh, clearly you watched Martha Stewart this week. Yeah. No. Yeah. Give me just straight mashed potatoes like your grandmother makes. Um, my number three is the sweet potato casserole. That's a good one. I usually eat this in my day right now. So, okay. So, we started at like 2 a.m. The hard cider. I bust that at like 9 a.m. Let's be honest. Hey, you judge me on Thanksgiving. Hey, it's a five. Well, how long is that long? The weekend is yeah. four or five days forever. Quick Thanksgiving joke. Also has to do with the hangover. <laughs> What does a Native American take for a headache? Pilgrims. Pill. Pilgrims. It's not bad. bad. Yeah, it's good. Um, All right. So um, I like to then have like a little breakfast, almost like a little casserole, the sweet potato casserole where like if it's three inches deep, only an inch of it is sweet potato puree. Yeah. Then it's like a marshmallow, walnut, sugar, brown sugar, maple, candy crunch on top. Oh. And that is like a that's a that's eleven o'clock in my day. I'm gearing up for a noon twelve thirty meal. Yeah, just a quick like carb sugar boost. Yeah, to get me because the up. White Castle's wearing off. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like, <laughs> do I need to go back to bed? That type of thing. <laughs> All right, that's my number three. What's your last one? My number four, stuffing. Honorable mention: corn pudding. <laughs> You know, often, why is stuffing only eaten like those three days of the year? Stuffing is a great food. It's a great side item. Well, how do you think of stuffing? Are you well, talking about cooked inside the bird? Um, well, ideally on Thanksgiving, yes. But, you know, there's stovetop stuffing. That's not yeah, bad. Yeah. You can eat that any time of year. It's available. It's on the store shelves. Why can't we eat that in July? Why isn't that on July 4th? Do you kind of feel like personal comment between me and you like we went to lunch yesterday and there's yeah. that there's potatoes kind of felt like stuffing to you a little bit like stovetop yeah a little, a little bit. bit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Little, no, like, okay four people get that but anyway <laughs> but people get it um uh, is that you had any more on my mentions you want to mention like your favorite dessert or anything no nah. you know the, the standard. obviously my list is pretty standard nothing fancy my number four is has three ingredients Slice of bread. Left. This is now we're fast forwarding to nine fifteen Thanksgiving night. Oh yeah, I have eaten twice. Yeah, I've napped once. I've had various levels of intoxication throughout the day. Yeah, it's nine fifteen. My kids are asleep. Yeah, I'm putting on Home Alone because <laughs> I'm getting ready for the next holiday. Right, right. Thanksgiving's Always over. look forward. Yeah, no rearview mirror. Moving forward, I got bread. 
cold white turkey that's been in the refrigerator for the last four hours. Yeah. Cranberry yeah. sauce, jelly, next piece of bread in my bed. And then I smash it. Yeah. I smash it down. Yeah. Like I make it where the bread becomes a yes. part of the meat and I eat it. There's not Nine much 15. better oh, than man. the turkey sandwich. The turkey sandwich with cranberry sauce instead of mayonnaise. Yeah. Whew. There's not much better than that. So excited. Watching some more football. I'm about done with football. At yeah. that point, I want to see Joe Pesci and okay. uh, Daniel Stern well, get hit with yeah. pink hands. I'm usually not, I'm usually not eating the turkey sandwich till till Friday around noon. Oh yeah. And then there's football on Friday. Yeah. And so I'm just in kind of hanging out with the fam, eating some leftovers mode all day long. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Well, I do a tour of Kentucky. So this is challenging. Yeah. It's always been challenging because. We eat about 1 p.m. at my mother's house in central Kentucky. Then I drive an hour and a half and eat about 5 p.m. at my dad's house. So it's tough to eat two meals in like four hours. For sure. I get that. Um, with an hour and a half drive in the middle. Ew. So that's what I do every year. Uh, we're mixing it up this year. My family um, is going to Hilton Head oh, yeah, with that's my right. father-in-law. And by the time this airs, like, they don't listen to this. This is like a surprise. I'm flying down Tuesday night. Oh, nice. I'm going to see, hang out. It's going to be fun. Thanksgiving. Hilton Head, 70 degrees. I've always thought that Thanksgiving or the Christmas vacation is the best idea ever. I can see me getting on a Christmas vacation where I'm like, all right, guys, that's enough. Yeah. We all, we have four Christmases. You're like, like right. yeah, you know, you got a ton of Christmases and all right. that. To give me a break. So I'll go to a cabin somewhere. Yeah. By myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last thing that we're going to talk about transition into is blockchain. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start this off with your thoughts about this? Yeah. I bet so a lot the of- goal is being like blockchain, like what is real? What is just noise? What is yeah. like legit? What is not? What do people need to be concerned about? What is just blown up portion marketing type stuff? Yes. So I bet a lot of our listeners, when I talk to people about blockchain, like we at that lunch we were at yesterday, no one knew anything about blockchain. And it's right. very common. Um, the people don't really maybe they know cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, but in blockchain, maybe we should set the kind of set it set it up a little bit. Um, a lot of people think that blockchain are going to cure a lot of the challenges in sampling. Sure. So, what are the challenges in sampling? This should not be news to anybody. Data quality, verification of people. Um, let's see, lack of participation by respondents, low response rates, um, lengthy surveys. And this has been going on and building for many years. And a lot of people think blockchain will solve that. So blockchain is not cryptocurrency. It's not Bitcoin. Similar. um, But it's basically you can verify people. There's a ledger is how people talk about it. Um, So I think blockchain will cure a lot of the problems. However, I'm a little concerned. I'll just stay up with that. Similar to True Sample and similar to other things that it's not going to be as good as it could be. It could solve a lot of these problems if certain companies emerge or certain philosophies kind of emerge. Um, It could just be another fad or it could fall on its face because I think prices are going to go up um, if it's not done right. So we got to be, as an industry, we got to be really careful here, I think. There's there's my intro. Uh, So here's... I think that blockchain is good for a couple of, for different reasons, I think. Yeah. I think as we've talked to like, like say three years ago when the big thing was big data and what are we doing with big data? Yeah. Since then, that's kind of come into, um, 
you know, first party data or appending type situations. What can you append on it so that we can get the, the richest amounts of data? Yeah. Blockchain really does help that. Like if people yeah. are putting more of their information onto it, then like maybe you ask a little shorter survey and then, but you don't just ask it about what their feelings are about potato chips, but maybe then you can append like their shopper data that they have from like what their Amazon cart looks like or what they use on like, you know, their Kroger click list or shopping yeah. cart or something like that. Then you can learn like behaviors along with, okay, they say they buy four bags of chips, says here they've never bought chips before in their right. life and things like that. That like, would be a huge benefit if you can get passive data right. on top of survey data. It's people, what our clients have been demanding for many years. Right. So if you could get um, all the information that we have in cars when we drive them, our, our smartphones, our Google right. search history, that's interesting data that you can append to a survey and add a lot of insights. Right. Um, uh, but some of the other things, so here's what, uh, the thing that is kind of a noise thing for me, and this may be the reason why a lot of people don't like it so much is like this raising of the CPI thing, yeah. because I think in a bubble and like, if you take away the emotion out of it and you take away like profitability, if this was a non-for-profit type situation yeah, and clients will say, we'll pay more for sample to do this, to know that we're getting the right people, to know that we're getting the right quality, that all these people are right. Like that all sounds great and it's great to hear. And that's why people are like running to build this thing because they were at IAX last year. They heard the mm-hmm. guy from P&G. They heard the guy from Coca-Cola, whatever company. I'm mm-hmm. making up things now. Yeah. We're like, they said, no, we, we don't have to pay $2. We'll pay 8 something right. like that. Um, the thing is, is now think about if you are a full-service market research company. Yeah. And you have a, something that you've been asking people to pay a certain amount. You have kind of a standard, you know, we're going to ca- test a concept for you. It's going to be this amount of money. And of that, your sample cost is, you know, take 20 30%. Am I wrong there? 20 30%. I would think at a minimum, yeah. Yeah, at a minimum. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you have to either raise your overall cost or make the sample part a bigger production of your cost yeah. because of what you're getting. Yep. And then you have to verify also with them that I know we've that automatically, again, innovation, whenever you innovate something, you're admitting that what you've done in the past might not have been up to par. So now you have to make the sell that I know that we're... 30%, 50% higher in that, but that's because yeah. of the sample cost, and that's because we're doing this now, which is better than this, which is better than this, which yeah. is better than this, which is better than the last 75 years of, of research. Yeah. And to me, that's when the thing, the idea of I will pay more for opinions loses track because no one's just buying sample. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're buying a lot. Like those brands that say we'll pay more aren't just buying sample. They're right. buying the other parts. They're buying all right. the overhead. They're buying the analysis. There's, and when you add all those up and your overall budget goes up, then it becomes a whatever type situation. Yeah. When you start combining all these things together and like when it becomes a – my thing that kind of worries me, I, I'm a little bit worried that this could turn into a true sample 2.0. Yeah. And that's this thing that everybody keeps saying to me and I've always kind of fought that. Yeah. Um. But there are there are some glaring similarities. The more and more a lot of this revolt like starts to play out, the more like corporate backing gets into it. Yeah, it starts to become more like a true sample. Yeah, and that that's the scary part. It seems like there's no offense is, to Mark Menig and all those people. Right. I mean, yeah, whatever. You made a ton of money and Dinah Bowen sold a dream and it was awesome. Right. Yeah. Like Con Agra, General Mill, all those P&G, everybody jumped on it. And it was great for three years. It was a solution to a problem at the time that we had. And then it just never really evolved. Yeah. Right. But like it's I just I, I just fear that when you get a lot of people into a room and then you start thinking about the money that you can make. 
and you start driving towards what a brand wants, you start leaving out some of your full service market research firms, which are really kind of advocates for the idea of our industry because you're thinking about what a brand wants so much. And then you have the supplier side of it and what they're doing. And then maybe you start to consolidate some of the suppliers that start to be involved with that. Yeah. It starts to become, it starts to get really messy. Yeah. You know? Well, let me, let me dream for a second. Yeah. What if, what if we could verify people? We know they are who they say they are. Yeah. If we can remove, remove duplication, which is a concern because people will, Big surprise, people are more on, typically on more than one panel all the time. If we had a global ID of some sort that we removed duplication, if we had a respondent scoring system where we ranked people like an Uber rating, you take a survey, you're a great respondent, you get a five-star Uber rating. You are not engaged, you get a one- or two-star Uber rating, and then you could pay more for the five-star respondents or pay, hey, this isn't risky research, I'll, I'll get the three-star respondents. Um, likewise, what if respondents could rank client surveys? Hey, you told me this is a 15-minute survey. It's a 25-minute boring survey that doesn't apply right. to me. You get a two-star Uber rating. Right. And then those clients have to pay more to those respondents to take their surveys. The market could dictate that in theory because right now, honestly, most respondents, there's no incentive to be a good respondent or a bad respondent. The incentive is just to be a respondent. Um, I can dream with more passive data like we talked about a little bit later. If you could connect all of your Facebook account and everything you can imagine, you could connect. If that happens, this is a our industry can grow so fast. Um, I'm not sure if that can happen. I know there's public, well, more there's a consortium being put together that is going to try to work together to do all of this. There are private companies doing it. Um, you can Google them or contact us, and we can give you way, way. We can go really deep on blockchain if you want. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I'm going to dream, and I hope that people are thinking what's best for the industry, what's best for data when they're making these decisions on blockchain because we messed this up. We got a problem as an industry, I think. I agree. Well, maybe not a problem. It just keeps prolonging the same cycle that we've been in for the last 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. Um, But we'll see. I think as we continue, like, I think that's how I want to approach blockchain on the podcast more. It's like, talk about what things are, people are talking about and what things are doing with it. Yeah. You know, Um, it's kind of the path that SampleCon is going to be taking. Like they have a segment. It's like, what is this? Yeah. What do you? What are the myths about it? What do you? What are really the applications about? Like breaking up into sections like that, um, and maybe not like a rush to urgency with this. Yeah, right? I'm not sure if this is a race to first to market. Yeah, this is doing it the right way in a calculated way because there is a blockchain solution out there. Yeah, and they're not out there shouting from the rooftop where the we're going to solve all your problems. They're honestly being pretty somewhat methodical about it. Which um, one's this? The the OEB 2020 solution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people probably even heard of that. Right. Um, they've been to conferences, and if you're in the blockchain, you know who they are. But if you're not in the blockchain, you probably have no idea who they are. I think that's a. They could spend a lot of money on marketing and sure. get their name out there and and be. Hey, we're first to market. Right. Because they have people. They have a lot of respondents on the blockchain right now. Right. They could meet a lot of their clients' needs. Um, I think they're testing it out. They're being a little more methodical. They're gonna. Um, adjust it and do whatever they need to do to whatever they need to do. Um, I think there's other entities that are going to be much louder, and they are much louder. Well, OAB kind of started out loud. I it's mean, we were at IAX when Ted Waz said it's going to put sample companies out of business, right? Ted Waz is a little and loud. And that's scaled back a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And now 
But very if you brought it off right you'd now, have no idea who Ted Wasis. True. Well, yeah, you do. He's he's a lot of. I mean, he's he's great. I mean, I I like the guy a lot, but yeah. like, he's put himself out there a lot. Yeah. Um, Vera Gilf is the loudest voice in the room right now. Vera yes. Glyph? Vera Glyph. Vera Glyph. <laughs> Vera Glyph. Well, like, it'd be weird to have a name that everyone could remember or knew what it meant. But like Vera Glyph is a name right now that is like loud and boisterous. And if it's not loud and boisterous, there's like rumors and secrets yes. and whispers that are super loud. Yes. Right? Yes. And then the other ones like then the other ones are under the radar, I think. Like a little more under the radar. Your data wallets, yeah. um, measure protocols, those yes. type things are a little bit under the radar more and and maybe that's the good I don't know if that's good or bad. Right. I don't know. Um, interesting. It's gonna be the, uh, it's gonna be a lot of noise when conference season starts back up. First conference of the year is SampleCon usually in February. And then it goes like SampleCon, Quirks East, uh, Qualtrics, Kirk. Quirks West, like everything starts to hit at the same time. Yes. IAX is earlier this year. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot. I'm kind of excited for it. Booked my SampleCon um, stuff today. Did you really? Yeah. Stay in the weekend in Austin. You are? Yeah. Get there Saturday. I think I might go down a couple of days early. Um, we'll see what happens. Austin's a great city. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll have a turkey sandwich with cranberry sauce there. Who knows? They do. They probably do. They're weird. <laughs> like weird foods. Be whatever season you want there. Right. Uh, anything else you want to wrap us up with? Anything you're excited about? Um, we didn't, never mentioned sports in this podcast. Isn't is that, that crazy? Good? It's crazy because you have a lot to talk about. We have probably have a ton to talk about in sports. Maybe the next podcast we'll talk some sports. Eh, let's sports. not talk about sports. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> it was about- weird. At one point during this podcast, <laughs> nobody knows this, but I got a little ping and I looked and I had a fantasy football trade because trade lines Saturday for fantasy sports. I know you're a big fan of fantasy oh, sports. Oh, a huge fan. Um, I could go. To, I got rants on Le'Veon Bell that I'll save. Um, my wife just actually texted. I'm getting so much. My wife just texted me. What is the name of our elf on the shelf? <laughs> it's Laser Beam. <laughs> How great is that? Laser Beam. Laser Beam. Elf on the shelf. And I sign it in like real pretty, like cursive. He needs some note. What's it? November fifteenth. I don't even know what the day it is. Today's November fifteenth. We're we talking 15, elf on the shelf. Fifteen days for till the elf on the shelf. So Laser Beam comes back to the All Jolly right. House. That does it for episode 36 of the IntelliCast podcast. As always, you can reach us at IntelliCast1 on Twitter, EMI underscore research on Twitter, or IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll see you guys on the other side. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.